Hey, are you still using a regular practice management software to run your practice? If so, you might be missing out on some great benefits that come with a cloud-based platform like CareStack. Here's just three reasons to make the switch today. Number one, accessibility. With CareStack, all your practice data is stored in the cloud so you and your team can access it from anywhere at any time. No more worrying about data backups or losing data due to hardware failure. You'll have everything you need right at your fingertips. Number two is scalability. As your practice grows, so will your need for more advanced tools and features. So with a cloud-based platform like CareStack, it's easy to scale up as needed. You can add new users, features, and even entire locations with just a few clicks. And three, cost-effectiveness. With the regular practice management software, you might need to invest in an expensive hardware or pay for IT staff to maintain your system. But with CareStack, everything is handled in the cloud, so you don't need to worry about hardware maintenance, software updates, or IT costs. Plus, CareStack offers flexible pricing plans to suit the need of any practice. So don't miss out on the benefits of a cloud-based practice management software. Invest in your practice success with CareStack. So go in the show notes below to schedule a free personalized demo first. And if you like what you see, you will get an exclusive deal just for being a listener of this podcast. So go on the show notes below and click on the first link that you see there or the picture and get CareStack. Improve your accessibility, your scalability, and cost effectiveness with CareStack, the all-in-one cloud-based practice management solution. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Adias. And in this episode, I am speaking with the wonderful Dr. Megan Morrison. The biggest thing for me is talking to patients about options and and offering those options and letting them know what those options are. So on my intake form, it it asks, how creative you are the dentist? One to five. And I take a look at that and we have that conversation accordingly. You know, patients, they're like, one, I I could be here all day, whatever. I like being here. I don't necessarily go over all those options. But patients who mark their three or four or five, here are the options. We have laughing gas, you know, and I talk to them about what that option looks like. We can do pill sedation and what that option looks like. I even have a doctor that I can bring in who does IV sedation. So I think just providing those options and, and what those options look like and letting patients know that they do have those out there. We talk about a lot of things. We discuss how you need to have a great culture in your practice because patients know if there's tension. And she lets us know how she knows this. It's true. And we also talk about how if you have a lot of leaders, especially in the construction and building phase of your startup, right? Let's just say you have a consultant. Let's say you have an architect, the construction uh, crew. Maybe you have a designer. You have uh, all these other people, right? A marketing agency. Make sure everyone is on the same page. And so we dive deeper on on this reasoning of why everybody has to be on the same page, even if it's a different um, section that they're working on or a different, uh, I guess, like um, construction and marketing, right? Something different, but make sure everyone is on the same page. And then we discuss how holding on to a problematic team member for too long can affect culture negatively. And you know what? We kind of all know this, but it's kind of tough, right? It, sometimes we don't know that they're problematic, Sometimes we do know, but we want to give them another shot. What is too much, right? Like, wh- where, where's the line where it's like, okay, I've given you too many tries. 
uh, how do you know before you get to that part that you should let the person go? How do you know that they're being problematic or they're just having an off day? So much uh, we discuss into this specific uh, topic. So definitely listen to that. And we also talk about how it's okay to have slow growth. This helps keep work-life balance. And we discuss uh, also Megan's work days and her schedule, which is a fantastic work schedule. And then we also talk about what she wants to improve and what stands out to patients in her practice. For example, less waiting, there's friendly greeting. Um, and then the patient experience, the first patient experience, right? Like the initial uh, patient experience is like about one hour, 1.5 hours. So it's a lot of getting to know the patient. But she dives deeper on this. She also tells us how um, she helps the patients overcome their fears. And a lot of this is being a therapist for your patients. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that as well. And then we talk about when working with companies, know what you're getting and what you're not. And you're never going to feel truly ready, especially when it comes to a startup. But I like how we discussed the best companies, the worst companies she's worked with and so forth. Very open conversation. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Megan Morrison. Megan, how's it going? It's all right. Thanks for having me today. Excited to be talking to you. No, thank you for Did you just get off? Were you just finished right now with your last patient or it's been a while? Or I did. I finished up about five and rushed home and did something with my hair. And here we are. Was it a busy day today? <laughs> it was a busy day, which is a good thing as a startup. So yes, thankfully it was busy. How long have you been open for it with your startup? Yep. We've been open for a year and a half. So we opened in May of 2021. Okay. So rewind yeah. a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your past, yeah. your present. How did you get to where you are today? Yep. So I did dental school in Dallas. So I graduated in 2017. I practiced once I graduated in Dallas as an associate for a couple of years, two or three years. And then my parents had moved to San Antonio. So that, that had always been the long-term goal was actually for my mom to run my practice. So once they were in San Antonio, we knew that's where we had to be. So me and my husband moved down where I associated here for about a year and a half. And then COVID hit. So I decided when we were all off during that six weeks, what better time than now to start planning and, and getting the startup going. So that's what I did. I, I spent that six weeks planning and thinking about what kind of practice I wanted to have, what I wanted to do. And a year later, we were open. Okay. So you, yeah. well, rewind a little bit more. Okay, you said you sure. wanted to move into San Antonio because that's where your parents yeah. So my parents, they had moved here four or five years before I did. So I'm from Amarillo. So they were in Amarillo. My dad asked a cousin that lives here in San Antonio and they do all their hunting and fishing and all their guy stuff together. So they moved down here so that they could do all that stuff together. But my mom, she had started working in dental offices about the time that I started dental school. So that was always the plan for her to run my practice. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had to get where they were. She like a, a main, like a consultant or something or no, she's just no, so she just, she's my front office. So she runs, she's my front desk, everything. She does all my insurance. She answers the calls. She's my reception, my office manager, my books. She does everything, CPA also, but she, she runs my office. So she started working, doing the same thing in other offices about the same time I started dental school. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. It is. I thought you were from like, because you said you're in San Antonio. You've only been there for three years. I thought you weren't from Texas. So you should know I'm where Carvel and everything is at. Okay, so South Texas is a whole other country, man. It's up in the panhandle. It's a whole other country by itself. So it's, I'm true. still learning, but yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay, so then San Antonio, Dallas area. Yeah. You didn't want to open your practice in Dallas? No, I didn't. I enjoy living there. I think Dallas is a really fun place to be, but it is super saturated. I mean, I wouldn't say here is too much better, but it, the most important thing to me was to be be near family. So 
that was definitely that outweighed being in Dallas where I, I probably like Dallas a little bit better than I like San Antonio, but being near my family and having my mom to lean on and help me run the practice was a lot more important to me. Okay. What did you <laughs> learn in your associateship? while you were only an associate for like one year, right? You said? No. So I graduated in 2017. So oh, okay. I've been out of school for five or six years now. So I associated up until the last year and a half. But I assume your question was, what did I learn in my associate positions? Is that what your question was? How many associate positions did you have? Let's see. I had two in Dallas, one that only lasted a year. And then one I stayed in up until I moved. And then one here in San Antonio. So three altogether. The one that only lasted a year. Why? Yeah. So that one, it was private practice-ish. So he had three different practices. He ran it more like a DSO. And I think any any associate who's been in that position kind of knows how that goes. But I, I think for me in that particular office, kind of what made me want to leave, it was, it was a newer office and it was just really, really slow. So I didn't feel like there was opportunity for growth there for me. I was sitting there seeing maybe one patient a day. It was really boring. And I just didn't have the opportunity to practice my skills and have that growth. And so I, I found something Something different. Okay. And so in your associateships, what systems or things did you learn that you're like, I want to take this into my practice? And then what stuff did you, I guess, learn where you're like, I never, ever want to do this with my team or my practice? Yeah. So my second job was in Louisville. That practice was awesome. I really love the doctor that I worked for. I think she had a really great team culture. And that was one of the things that I definitely took away and wanted to have in my office was a really great culture within the staff. Patients know if there's tension or if it's if it's a weird vibe when you come in, the staff don't like each other. There's all those negative things and negative energy. So that was really important and a really positive that I took away from her practice was really good team culture. I think my last associate job here in San Antonio, I learned the importance of what, how important leadership is and good leadership is. In that practice, I, I, there was too many chiefs, you know, I think there was too many bosses and, and too many different opinions and um, when that happens, it's hard to have a clear focus and direction. And everybody up underneath feels that. And I think a really good one solid direction and focus, the way we're pushing, the way we're moving, I kind of learned how important that was. And just training patients well. I will say, I think my last two associate jobs, I didn't have the really bad horror stories that a lot of associate dentists do. I think my first one was probably my worst one. Uh, but my last two, I really don't have a ton of complaints. I think I was really, really fortunate that I learned probably more good things than bad things. But I think you can always take things, situations, and and improve upon them. So that's always my goal. Gotcha. Okay. Give me an example of that leadership style where there's too many chiefs. Yeah. So this is super specific, and I don't know if I want to call them out, but I guess I be as specific as I can be. Uh-huh. Um, I, that, that particular practice, they had five different owners. So even for me as the associate there, I can think of a couple of different times where one owner would call me, hey, we need to do things this way. And then not an hour later, a different owner would be like, hey, no, that's not right. We need to do it this way. So I never felt like I had clear direction of, okay, how do you want to be doing things? Do we want to set up the schedule in this way or do we want to do it this way? And so that was, for me, I just wanted to be able to call the shots and, okay, this is how we're going to do it and not be felt like I was being pulled in opposite directions or trying to please two different or five different, you mm-hmm. know, owners and who were kind of pulling in all different directions because they really didn't get along and have, have a unified vision for things. So that made it tough. Yeah. Yeah. If those owners aren't getting along, then it's going to be like, yeah, I mean, why didn't you do it my way? Or why didn't you, I told you it this, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. And you're the scapegoat. It's easy to blame. That doesn't go good. Right. So then, <clears throat> yeah. in, in your mind, what is good leadership? For me, good le- leadership, I think, is having good integrity. 
I think it's having good clarity. And I think my particular style of leadership, I think is a little bit different from people. Like for instance, I am always in my room, turning over rooms, cleaning rooms, going in the back, running instruments. I am working beside my team. I don't feel like I'm hierarchical working above my team. Mm-hmm. And that's just my style. I feel like there's no time. I always answer the phones. If, if, you know, if I'm there and nobody else is, is around or they're all busy and I, I want to have time, then I'm going to be the one that picks up the office phone. And patients are surprised by that. Like, oh, you're answering your phone. Like, yeah, I was the one that was available. So I'm answering the phone. But that's my particular style. I think I prefer to work beside my team and along with them rather than above them. But that's, that's me. That's my style. Yeah. Like you're with them. Shoulder to shoulder kind of thing, right? right? I like yeah, that. exactly. Rewind a little bit. And you said you felt like one of them didn't have great team culture. So in your mind, what's what's really great team culture? Yeah. So in my office, we are always cracking jokes and we're laughing and we're happy to be there. And we join and genuinely enjoy each other's company. Like there's not like, oh, gosh, here comes Dave. We hate him or whatever it is. A silly team gossip or the... I always call it like the hens in the hen's nest there. You know, somebody new comes in, their feathers get ruffled. Like, I hate that stuff. It's just so silly to me. So just that that great team culture of everybody's going to help out, including myself, whatever the task is that needs to get get done, we're all going to pitch in. The job is going to get done and we're going to have fun while we're doing it. So it's kind of like nobody's above anybody. We just all got to work together. Has that ever occurred so far to you where there's like a team member in your team where they're like, you just didn't feel instinct or that intuition where you're just like, it doesn't, it's not going to continue to go good. Yeah, it has. And that was probably one of my third employee that I had. And it just, it wasn't a good team fit. And it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, I don't enjoy being here. I don't, you know, it's just personalities clash. And so, yeah, we ended up having to part ways, which is really tough. And I'm sure everybody who owns a practice is going to have to do that eventually. I hated doing it, but it had to be done to protect the culture. So, yeah. What was, uh, what was happening? It, it was really, it was a lot of things with that particular boy. Um, I think their assisting skills weren't quite up to par and patients were complaining about kind of how rough that particular assistant was. We had several complaints about him. And then personality wise, I think it was just kind of driving a lot of my other employees kind of crazy. Just, it was just personality clashes. Nothing that he was particularly doing wrong in that terms other than the assisting was quite not up to par. But yeah, that's kind of where that one was at. Yeah. Do you, do you ever feel like I could have let go of that person sooner? Yeah, I think we probably all feel like we probably could have let go of those people sooner. But I tend to be, give people lots of chances. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I guess looking back now from that experience, what would you do differently? Like telling yourself now, like Megan, the same thing's happening right now. Nip it in the bud or what, what would you do? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think we all have that gut instinct of this is just not going to work in the long term and listening to that instinct and and acting on it sooner rather than later. Because I think being miserable in your own practice or feeling like that you're not comfortable in your own practice or that you have to, I don't know, that you're just not liking being anymore. That's just miserable. So acting on those gut instincts and feelings sooner rather than later, because it's going to have to happen and might as well just get it over with and move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then rewind a lot. Have you always wanted to sure. own a uh, dental practice or this was just something where you're like, I can't find something that I want. So yeah. You- so I think before I started dental school, that was my goal is to own a practice. I had a lot of life events happen during dental school. I had big major surgery. I was married and divorced. And there's a lot of life that happened in dental school for me. So by the time I was done, just on top of the hectic schedule, how hard dental school is on top of that, I was just tired. 
by the end of dental school. So I just wanted to get out and work and make some money and have a more work-life balance for a while. So I didn't hop right into ownership, which I don't think many do right out of dental school. <laughs> but I took that five or six years and worked and then kind of refocused and, and started back on, on my goal. Did you ever pause during dental school or no? No, I didn't. I that's didn't. a lot. That's a, could, could I ask, yeah. Megan, like, what was the surgery? Yeah, so I have Crohn's disease. So I had, I got really, really sick during my very first year of dental school. So I dropped to about 108 pounds. I was just very, very thin. And I had a partial small bowel section. I think it was actually the week of finals during my first semester. So the dental school was great. They were really accommodating and let me reschedule all those finals to do them like the week before I came back for the second semester. But I think anybody who's gone through the first semester of dental school would probably agree. It's just, it was so hard and so tough that there was no way I was going to repeat it. I was like, we're going to push forward. We're going to keep going because there was no chance I was going to want to do that again. And in that time, is that when you were also going through like the divorce and everything or? So I was, nope. So that was after. So I was married after that. So mm-hmm. after my first year, I got married and then I was divorced, I guess, halfway through my third year. So I was married for about a year and a half. So yeah, it was a lot of life. So you got married and divorced in that? So in in, that? During dental school. Yeah. So I was married <laughs> after my first year and divorced during my third year. So that yeah. is a lot of life. That is. A, it is a lot of life. <laughs> how does that I mean, how does that make you feel? But like, why do you think all this was happening? Ah, uh, gosh. I mean, why, why did I get divorced? <laughs> like, do you oh, feel okay. like because I feel like with, with, you know, like stress flaring up and everything like that, maybe yeah. put a pause on dental school or put a pause, you know what I mean? You're like, I need to, I need to focus on my health kind of thing. Cause that was a big surgery. Yeah. yeah. I see what you're going. I think it was very life changing for me. All of that happened happening between the surgery and marriage and divorce for me to kind of slow down a little bit and to not let all the pressure of everything get to me quite so much. I think that's obviously a lot of stress in dental school for everybody. And then on top of all those other things, it was a lot, a lot of stress for me. So I think for me, it was a really big lesson of, hey, enjoy the small moments. Take back, take a step back. Don't let life get quite so heavy all the time. And just kind of enjoy it as you go. I think life is, life is short and you better enjoy it while you're here. So I really took a lot of lessons away from that to not quite get so, so bogged down with everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Those are good lessons. Okay. And then now you're in your practice, right? Officially. Yeah. So yeah. can we dive into the business part a little bit more? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, awesome. So then your loan, did you go with a specific yeah. bank or how did that go? Yep, I went with Wells Fargo. Okay, why did you go with them? So I looked at Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And at the time, it was still pretty early COVID. And Bank of America, I think, was putting a pause on loans for a little while for general startups. So really, I only had really one option that I was looking into Bank of America was pausing, uh, was Wells Fargo. But I was looking into those two specifically because they have, they do a lot of dental startup loans and they have really good terms for those loans. So they have a kind of a sliding scale of how you're paying that out. So within the first year, your payments are smaller and they gradually get larger so that you're not really taking from your cash flow right on. So that's kind of why I was looking at those two options. Okay. How much was the loan for? 500000 Oh, And then the interest? Interest on that, I want to say it was in the high twos, like two, seven, two, eight, somewhere in there. That was pretty good. And then, so then in total, yeah. how much was your build out? I want to say that was around the 200000 mark. 
It may have been a little bit less, but I did have, I think, 90000 in tenant improvement allowance. So that helped a lot too. Yeah. That's really, really good. How did the build-out process go? Was it smooth or was there major delays? Yeah, I got super lucky. I think I know in a lot of places, there was a lot of delays and things were way behind. But in, here in Texas, it ran exactly on time. I had zero delays. I think there was zero hiccups. I was really fortunate. Nice. Who's your, uh, yeah. I guess, contractor, construction company? I worked with MedTech. So I know they have offices and do a lot of medical build-outs. I don't know if they're just local to Texas, but I know they have multiple locations here in Texas, but that's who I went with. Okay. And then how'd you find your location? Yeah. So I did have real estate guys. So practice real estate is who I worked with here in San Antonio. And they spotted, I want to say it was maybe between six or eight locations that they kind of took me to. And we ran numbers and and. Funny enough, though, the location I ended up choosing, my husband and I had kind of just driven around just daydreaming and looking at spots. And that's one of the ones that we found like, oh, I really like this spot. And that's the first one that we went to. And the real estate guys were taking me around. And that's where I fell in love with. And that's what stuck. That's for you. Is it in a location where, paint us a picture, like, is it in a shopping strip or? Sure. So there's a big shopping strip that's very close proximity, but there's like a big H-E-B. So I don't know. That's a big grocery store that's here. I don't know where you, where are you at? I'm in LA, but I know H-E-B. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's a big, yeah, there's a big H-E-B uh, with a big shopping strip. That, and then I, right behind there is little individual professional buildings. So I'm on the street that's like right behind there. I can see the H-E-B like curbside pickup right from my office, but kind of right behind there in little professional, individual professional buildings. Cool. Do you ever get a lot of HB employees going in there? Yeah, we've had some. A lot of people that are like, I was picking up my groceries and saw you guys over there. But we've had some HB employees, not a ton yet, but some. Okay, nice. Nice, nice. I like that. Yeah. So then, type of practice that you have right now, is it like all PPO or are you planning to go fee for service or general specializing in something or? How does it look? Yeah, yeah. So it's a general bread and butter dentistry. I do a little bit of Invisalign, a little bit of aesthetic, cosmetic kind of type stuff. But uh, overall, it's it's just bread and butter dentistry family. You see everybody. We are PPO. I'm only in network with about four plans, but we take all PPO plans. And I I pretty much run the PPOs as if we were in network now. I'm sure that's getting in a whole bunny trail about insurance, but we do it a little bit differently. So like for hygiene visits, I pretty much write off the difference, even if we're out of network, except if their plan pays like $20 for cleaning and then I charge a small bit, but I write off a ton. So kind of trying to find that balance between being in network with insurances and not and being fair to patients. So we're kind of finding that that happy middle ground there. Do you let the patients know that? Like, oh, we're just writing yeah. this off? Or how do you yeah. let them know? That we're writing off? Yeah. My mom texts them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, like, hey, cool. We got your EOB where, you know, it says you have this much. Dr. Morrison's writing off. You don't have a balance. So they know. Nice. And they're pretty happy with that. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Okay. I like that. And then we know your mom's one. So how many employees do you have in your team? Yeah. So we're still really small. So my mom is my front desk office manager, insurance person. She does all the front desk stuff. I have a hygienist, a full-time hygienist, and I have one assistant and me. How is it like working with your mom? It's awesome. But I also really get along with my mom. I think you can't do it unless you really get along with that person. But we've we've always been really close. Like, we've yeah, we've always been super close. So there was a small part of me that was worried about working with my mom and not knowing how that would be. I think you don't know how it's going to be until you start doing it. But for us, it's been amazing. And I know there's somebody up front that's doing all of the bookkeeping that I trust. And it's it's been really great. And I feel really fortunate that we get to spend these adult years together. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Do you ever 
has it ever happened, Megan, where it's one time where you're like, no, mom, this is how I want it. Yeah. This is, and then she's like, no, Megan, trust me. I know how it's going to work. And you're like, ooh, you don't get it. Has it ever happened? The first part, not the second part. So she is one of the humblest people you ever meet. So I, there are plenty of times where I tell her, hey, that's not right. Or, hey, let's do it this way. And her response is always, okay, great. Let's try it that way. She's, I, I can't say enough good things about her. She's an amazing person, but she's so humble and she doesn't push back. And in that realm, she knows I'm my say goes. And, yeah. and of course, she'll have opinions about things. And I listen to those opinions. But at the end of the day, she lets me do it the way I want to do it. Yeah. Level of respect. That's nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. There definitely is both both ways. Yeah. Has there ever been a situation where you're like, no, mom, I want it like this. And then, oops, the way you wanted it was wrong. I think yeah, she's definitely pushed back on certain things. And I would actually say marketing was probably one of those things. We worked with a marketing company at the beginning that... I don't know how to say this nicely. They definitely brought patients in. And mm-hmm. that's really what we needed as a startup. And so that was really awesome that we gave her getting patients through the door. The way they were doing that was definitely not what I would call ideal or the way that I would want to do it. And she hated their marketing. She hated what they were doing. and She let me know about it. And I think probably in long term, she was right about that. What was, uh, let me ask you this. What were they doing? No, I feel like I'm going to say this and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'll say it. So Facebook ads is their main main way that they bring in patients. That's their their niche, which I, I knew that from the beginning. And they told me from the beginning, you know, we know it works. We are going to write the ads the way we want to write the ads. And you kind of just have to be okay with that. So I had heard how successful they were about getting patients in. And I know that's a really big stressor for a brand new startup is how the heck are we going to get patients through the door? We have bills to pay from day one and we got to get those bills paid. So I, I kind of took the took the leap there and and signed up with them, knowing that it may not have been exactly how I wanted to do the ads or how I wanted to do the marketing. So that being said, their specific thing or their little niche is Facebook ads. So that's pretty much all that they do for marketing advertising. But the way they word ads is somewhat like Dr. Morrison is looking for 50 patients in the San Antonio area to help with their crown needs or for their adventure needs. And what it's really advertising is for patients that don't have like insurance, it's advertising our membership plan, which does give them discounts. But it's worried in such a way that patients think we're giving away free dentistry. So that's what's piquing people's interest. It definitely felt a little bait and switchy. It felt that way to me. And I think it felt that way to some patients who were calling in being like, hey, did I win? Did I win the free dentistry? And that's not what it all was advertising. And it didn't say that anywhere, but I could, I could understand why patients thought that way. So it was definitely attracting a certain group. But yeah. Which to me, I, I, I definitely moved away from as quickly as I could too, because A, it didn't, feel, it didn't feel true to who I wanted to be, who I wanted my practice to be. And I also felt like it was bringing in patients who genuinely had a really, really big need for dentistry. And just as a startup, not in a position to provide free dentistry, unfortunately. I wish I could do that all day. And I, I have the heart to do that. I wish I could. But again, there's overhead to, overhead to cover. Yeah. Okay. And then your mom was the one who's like, hey, let's... Let's drop them. But you were the yeah. one who was like, well, let's give it an extra week or, or how, how did that go? Yeah. I mean, so when you look at the number, I mean, we were really, really diligent about tracking who was coming in from what source. So if you pull up the numbers, they're bringing in people and they're honestly recovering our bills. So it was kind of one of those things that was kind of hard to pivot away from until we got a little bit more stable and got things up under our feet. Hard to pivot away from that. But I, I did when we could. Yeah. If people reached out to you privately, would you let them know what it was? Or? Yeah. Okay. So guys, if you guys want to reach out to yeah. me. 
And, and I will say to you, though, to their defense, I think they're, I really actually did enjoy working with them. And I think they are really good people and they are good at bringing people in the door right away. But I do think that you should know what you're getting into when you are getting into that. So, mm-hmm. so then how long did it take for you to get stable? Yeah. So, I mean, with their help, we were covering bills even two or three months into it. So we were covering bills pretty quickly. Now, as we grew, overhead grew. So even now, I'm still at the point of barely profitable, even a year and a half into it. So, and I will say too, I think part of that falls on me in the sense of, I think, could I spend more time getting out and doing ground level marketing? I probably could. But again, kind of going, going back to that, finding balance in life and not getting so stressed out and focused. And that's, that's where I'm at in life. And I'm not going to spend 24 hours a day on, on my business. I'm just not going to. So I'm, I'm okay with a little bit of a slower growth, which is kind of where we're at now. And it's a slow, steady, healthy growth. But am I, am I taking home the amount that I was making as an associate? No, not even close. But I'm, I'm okay with that because I have a good balance in life and I get to spend time with my husband and our three dogs at the end of the day and we get to be nerds and video game together and that's where we're at. Right. Oh, so if you don't mind me asking, what's the break-even point number-wise? Like you, in order to get here, yeah. we're, we're good. Yeah, right now we're at about 40000 a month. Okay. And so that's where yeah. you're at right now. Like this is our yeah. break. Well, you're a little bit above that, you, you said. Our break-even point is about 40000 a month. So we're collecting maybe forty one, forty two thousand, like barely above it. Okay, gotcha. And that's, but you're doing the slow growth. Well, I think you're just growing great. I don't even think it's like slow growth, but you're growing great due to balance, right? At the same time. Yeah. Because what you've learned in the past, how do you turn it off then, Megan? Because you're a business owner, right? So it's not like going home and turning it off and then that's it. It's Friday, turning it off. That's it. Do you ever turn it off? I, I think I'm fairly good at it. I think my phone is always by me. And if my patients text me or message me, I am responding to them. So that part, I don't turn off. I think, I think that's part of the, the beauty of my practice is that if, you know, if a patient is having an issue, I'm going to respond to them. I'm not making them wait until the following workday or whatever. I'm, I'm going to respond to them. Now, if it's a scheduling issue, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll respond to them on Monday. But if they're having a, a real tooth issue or something going on, I'm responding. So that part, I don't turn off. But the rest of it, I think I'm fairly decent about turning off. I think it's always somewhere lurking in the back of your head there. I don't think it's always... I don't think it's probably ever possible for most people to completely turn it off. Yeah, like I said, me and my husband, we're, we're big old nerds. We'll come home and play our video games and kind of tune everything else out. And yeah, so I think it's important to enjoy your life. And or it is for me. So that's, yeah. I do the best that I can. Are you both playing games like in the same room? Or does somebody go like yeah. in another room and they're like, hey, you know, we have no, a I, I could I could show you my setup right now. Actually, we're at it. But we just built out my office. I have my computer and yes, his computer right next to me. And we game together. Oh, like you have, you built out a gaming office? Yeah, we did. Your- <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you guys are like, real, what games? We just started a new one. We, we play PC games. So we started Anno. I don't know how to describe that one. It's a sort of a city building planning kind of Sims-esque, but you're not managing the people. You're managing the town. It's like the 1800s. You're building the the houses and the, I don't know. It's fun, but yeah. we play different computer games. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you played the same one. Okay. No, nice. That's nice. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, we play the same one together, but I just mean different ones at different times. But this week, yes, we play together. So we'll play like online co-op. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then right now, Ryan, a little bit back, you found your employees, right? You have, how'd you find those employees? Yeah. So I think my two that I always go to is going to be Dental Post, which I know is not everywhere, but in Texas, it's pretty successful. So Dental Post and then Indeed. Indeed is the other one that I've used. But I do think that I probably had more luck with Dental Post than Indeed, but I have found people through both. 
And right now the team you have, I mean, obviously your mom, right? But like besides her, the team you have, would you say like they're building blocks? Like they're, they're fantastic. I'm going to yeah. build, they're my foundation. I'm going to build on top of them kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I have a rock star team right now. My assistant has been with me since opening and he has been in dentistry for like 15 or 16 years now. So he has been doing this for a really long time. He is really good at what he does. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. And then my hygienist is fabulous. Uh, she's an awesome team player. She's super fast, but really good at what she does. She's really good at communicating with patients. She'll jump in and, you know, if my other assistant's busy and she's got nothing to do, she'll hop in and assist me. Like, we're all just really good team players, which is super important to me. Nice. And how many days are you open? So I just changed my schedule up this year, which I'm also super excited about, to an alternated four-week schedule. Mm. So we'll work like Monday through Thursday one week and then Tuesday through Friday the next week. So every other weekend, we have a four-day weekend, which is this weekend. So, yeah. So then what do you do on a four-day weekend? A whole lot of nothing. (laughs) It's the best. Or gaming. Gaming. I mean, that's (laughs) nothing. So this weekend, I actually do have a trip to Austin planned for a wedding shower. But yeah, usually nothing. No, that's nice. Uh, yeah. Whenever you come back from these like four day weekends, do you ever feel like you're, man, I, oh snap, I'm missing out or not missing out, but like, oops, uh, there was, I forgot to do that. And this, and this little online and all these things, right? Or do you come back and you're like refreshed or like, like almost like a creativeness kind of comes back to you? Yeah. So far the latter. Now we only started this in January, so it's still pretty new, but so far the latter, I feel like it has been really good. I think for all of our mental health to have that little step away to kind of recharge batteries and not feel like we're just at the office constantly. So, so far it's been really positive. Maybe you can check back with me again later this year and see if I still feel that way. But so far I'm really enjoying it. Nice. Check back. You're like, we're on yeah. a five day finale. <laughs> we're off for five days. See like, one day a week. <laughs> <laughs> one day a week. Oh, yeah. It's been productive. So then right now, what system would you say is unique in your practice that you're really proud of? Whether it's like the handoffs, new patient experiences, marketing, anything like that? What systems would you say? Yeah, I think I, I really do like our new patient experience. So when patients come in, whoever is seeing them, whether that's my hygienist or my assistant or myself, that patient gets a tour of the office. When they're set down, not just new patients, but every patient we have. So I have TVs at the foot of the, the chair and they're I have like a little Canva that says it's all blue and it says welcome to Market Ridge Dental and whatever their name is, welcome to our practice. So it has mm-hmm. their name up there at the foot. So they feel like, hey, Lee, we care that you're here because we do. And then the other thing that I think is super cool that we do with all of our new patients is that we scan them. So we do a digital scan of all of our patients. I have an iTero scanner. So before I lean my patient back, I'm going through, you know, I'm pulling up the top teeth and I'm, I'm going through tooth by tooth and showing them their teeth. And then we go through the bottom teeth and I show them all our teeth and we look at the bite so that they can see their teeth before I even lean them back. Because that's a super vulnerable position too. So I think that kind of, I'm, I'm sitting there chatting with them while I'm looking at their teeth. Hey, where are you from? What do you like to do? That kind of thing. Uh, just while I'm looking at the digital scan of their teeth. So I think it's kind of a, a good icebreaker and kind of a build trust moment before before I even lean them back. Hmm. How long are your new patient appointments? Typically about an hour and a half. Okay. And so yeah, more, yeah. that's when they're you're doing everything, the new patient experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then normally how many new patients are you getting a month? So before I cut off my, my marketing company, we were doing about 40 to 50. I'd have to look at my numbers to see since we cut off the marketing what, what they were. But I do think they were a little bit lower, maybe 30, 35 right now. But before we cut off, the, the marketing team, we were getting about 50. Okay. So right now though, like 30, 30 to... I think 30, 35 or so. Yeah. Okay. With the marketing company that you were getting, were there a lot of like 
uh, what, yeah, like, you know what I mean? They got the free thing or they got, they came there for something specific and they're like, bye. And you never saw them again? Yeah, for uh, sure. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of those. And I think, yeah, it, exactly. So they were looking for the deal and they come, they get whatever deal they think and they're out the door or they got in the door and realized it, it was not free and never saw them again. That happened a lot too. So yeah, I think now kind of turning away from that, we're getting fewer patients, but patients that are going to stick with us for the long haul, which is more what I would like to do. You know, I'd like to build relationships with these people and get to know them. And so that's, that's more what I'm looking forward to. So then right now, what are you currently doing for marketing and advertising? So right now I'm kind of an in-between. So my cousin actually does SEO for a living. So I'm kind of letting him take over that side of things. I'll probably be doing Google ads with him pretty soon too. I have not figured out the second part of that. So I am actually meeting with a marketing company tomorrow, a local marketing company where you guys kind of see what, what plan they have laid out, what the, what the cost is going to be on that and kind of make some decisions from there. But I'm kind of in a little bit of an in-between right now. Okay. I mean, you're, you're still getting 30 to, you know what I mean? Like how many ops do you yeah. have? I have four that are uh, equipped. I have six total, but four that are equipped right now. Okay. So you're, I mean, you're, you're busy, you know what I mean? It's not like you're yeah in a lull yeah. for like the whole week except for like two, no. one day, you know? So it's, no, it's our schedule is almost full. So, I mean, we still have, I still have plenty of room to work patients in and see patients as they call. Like I can still work in the new patient within the same week, but no, we're, we're, we're still pretty busy. So it's, it's good. Okay. What would you say, Megan, is the unique thing about your practice that has your community talking about you? Like if, if I were to say like, hey, I just came from my dental office, right? Or my, my dentist, it's Megan. And they're like, oh, cool. What, it, what do you want me to be saying to my friend about you? Yeah. So I think, I think the biggest thing is how we treat people, right? So we're a super small office. You know, when you walk in, my mom is right there greeting. She's one of the nicest people ever. She's super sweet to everybody or when they call on the phone, right? And then how easy we are to get a hold of, you know, when they, well, back up a little bit too. My, my office, my waiting area in my office is super tiny. There's like four chairs in there. So people are not waiting. When they come in, they're getting right back. And there we see them. We know we respect people's time. We're running on time. People are not waiting for hours at a time. And how easy we are to get a hold of. Like I mentioned before, you know, if my patient is going to call me or text me with something going on on a Saturday, I'm getting back with them, which is, is not very common anymore, I think. But. Yeah, I think, but the biggest thing to me is how we treat people. I mean, we're, we're kind to them. We're not judging them. We're giving them the option, letting them decide. It's a no pressure environment. We're just kind to people. Yeah, I like that, being kind. I like that too yeah. about that, the waiting room, I mean, the, the room where it's like, I guess like the lounge area or whatever you want to call it, because you're not really waiting. Yeah. I remember so many times like we were always talking about what kind of coffee should we provide them and everything? And I'm like, the last thing I want to do before getting my teeth check is have coffee breath. I don't, I'm yeah. not going to get that, right? Like that's when I floss the most and brush my teeth yeah. the most before I see my dentist. Yeah. So I want to make sure it's perfect. So you want to get in there quick kind of thing. Not like sit there and then drink right. coffee and tea, then right. donut or whatever. So I like that. Right? Yeah. It's real quick. Yeah. Okay. Throughout this process, I guess from the moment you were in dental school till today, what's been some of your biggest struggles or pitfalls? My biggest struggles. I think I probably didn't realize how much of a therapist you have to be on a daily basis, your patients, because there's a lot of people who are really afraid of, of going to the dentist and helping them overcome those fears and making them feel comfortable and helping them get through those procedures. I think I did not have a good grasp of, of that. So kind of learning how to be that person and helping people overcome those things was I mean, I think, I guess we all learn how to do it or hopefully we all learn how to do it. But figuring that out, I think within 
running a practice, I think just learning how to juggle everything because it is a lot, just a lot of balls in the air at one time. And just learning, like I said before, learning to find that balance. That's true. Yeah. How do you, how do you help your patients overcome fears now? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is talking to patients about options and and offering those options and letting them know what those options are. So on my intake form, it, it asks how creative you are the dentist one to five. And I take a look at that and we have that conversation accordingly. You know, patients, they're like, well, and I, I could be here all day, whatever. I like being here. I don't necessarily go over all those options. But patients who mark their three or four or five, here are the options. We have laughing gas, you know, and I talk to them about what that option looks like. We can do pill sedation and what that option looks like. I even have a doctor that I can bring in who does IV sedation. So I think just providing those options and, and what those options look like and letting patients know that they do have those out there. But from that, I think too, is just our office like demeanor, right? So I'm trying to make patients feel comfortable by chatting with them. I do have TVs on on above the chairs on the ceiling so that patients can watch Netflix as they're getting their, their work done. You know, we have the noise-canceling headphones that kind of block out some of the noise because that bothers some people. Yeah, so we're kind of trying to make them as comfortable as we can while they're in the office and then letting them know about the options above and beyond all those things. Okay, I like that. And then throughout this process of your startup, besides the marketing company, what's been some of the best companies you've worked with? and some of the worst companies you've worked with? Yeah. So I did work with Ideal Practices to help guide me along the way of my startup. And they were fantastic. I had a really good experience working with them. You know, I always tell people that are looking for for companies, know what you're getting and know what you're not getting. They will definitely give you a really good blueprint of what to follow, kind of help you stay on track, make sure you're not forgetting anything. They'll help you make introductions uh, to companies and good vendors, but they are not doing it for you. So you need to know that at the end of the day, it's you that is taking all the meetings. It is you that is making all the decisions. It is Mm -hmm. you that is making making all those things happen. So as long as you know that, I think it's, it's... for me, it was great. I was working eight to five Monday through Friday while I was doing my startup. So there was no feasible way that I probably could have done that without somebody that was helping me, at least direct me, hey, this is what you need to get done, giving me the kind of the, the blueprint to follow. No way I could have done both of those without them. So they were great. I, I had a really good experience working with them. Did you ask me about bad vendors? Is that the second part of that question? <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, did you ask me about bad vendors? <laughs> yeah, like what, what's been some of the worst company? But by the way, real, real quick. So ideal practices, they do they just make introductions for you and that's it? Or no, because I, I understand like you also have to pay, what is it? 50, 60,000? 50,000? Like yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. But most of it comes out of your practice loan though. So you pay a portion of that up front to get going with them and then the rest of it comes out of your loan. Okay. So, and then all that is, they give you the blueprint. You're working with what, a uh, coach or consultant? They have a bunch of different ones. So every step of the way, there's a person that's helping you. So like when you're doing the bank loan, there's a person that's helping you write your business plan to secure the bank loan. They're helping you make introductions to the to the banks and kind of helping you secure financing. There is somebody that is helping you find your location. So oh, somebody that makes your introductions to like practice financing who I worked with. So they made that introduction and they take that over from there. They do have a person that helps design your floor plan. And then they have somebody that helps you with equipment and somebody helps you with the business side. So that's the person that you work with the most. So they call it like the startup MBA. So Mm -hmm. they have 
basically teach you anything and everything about running the business and help you with like your operating procedure, like your manuals and like your financial policies. They help get you help you get everything in place to run your practice once it's going. So I would say that probably for me was the biggest value simply because I did not have any business courses prior to opening business. They don't teach you that in middle school. So that was super valuable for me. Okay. All right. So then what have been some of the worst companies you worked with? Maybe not worse, but you're just like, didn't fit for me kind of thing. Yeah. I think the marketing company was a good fit in the the beginning to get patients in the door. I think long-term, it was not not a good fit long-term just because that was not the type of marketing that felt authentic to what it was that I wanted to be doing and how I wanted to be attracting patients. But so far, I, I had really good experiences with probably all the other vendors. I think working with Wells Fargo after the fact was kind of irritating, and I actually ended up separating ways from them other than just paying my loans back from them, but I don't really do my banking through them anymore. Oh, anything yeah, like your personal? That, I, had, I wasn't doing my personal banking oh. with them anyway, but I took all of my, I closed all of my checking and I had a credit card through them. I closed that. I closed everything except for the one account that pays the loan, and I just transfer money into that right before it's pulled. and. That's all I do with that. Oh, I, I think I leave five hundred dollars in there because that's the minimum. But I have to for them to not charge me something. They were. I felt like they were nickeling and diming me. Like, and maybe it was my fault. I didn't know how to do their credit. card. I don't know their credit card. I felt like was charging me fees, even though I felt like I was paying it off every month. I feel like they were still charging me fees through that. So I was just finding, yeah, in that even though I would try to call and resolve it, they were just like, yeah, that is what it is. So, yeah, yeah, that's so, the worst. Were they like major fees or were they like? I think it's like $50, $60 fees here and there, which... Oh, those are major. Yeah, that's... that. No, to yeah, me, that's like a lot. I'd be like, what the heck? That could, I could <laughs> yeah. go eat like a bunch, right? You know what I mean? That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like 50 cents, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I would have totally canceled it. Even if it was like 10 bucks, I'd be like, uh, give me the back. <laughs> so yeah. I get you. Totally understand. Okay. So then one of the last questions. How yeah. has the startup process affected your personal life? Yeah, so I think... In some ways, a lot. In other ways, not at all. So through having a startup, I think that was probably the biggest thing that I was not prepared for was how long it was going to be until I took home a paycheck comparable to what I was making as an associate. I think I had no clue how long that was going to be. And I guess that that's different for everybody. And that's super hard to predict. But we had a lot of changes lifestyle wise after we realized, oh, this is going to be a while. Like we went from two cars down to one car so that we would only have that one car payment. My husband actually found a whole other job that paid better so that we could pay our bills, which he started traveling a lot with that job, which he's not right now, but he was traveling a lot. Like he was gone all throughout the week and then only home on the weekends. So those were big personal lifestyle changes. But otherwise, I I don't know that it's changed too much. Like I said, I strive really hard to find that balance. Like if I'm at work, I'm working. But if I'm at home, I'm at home. So in in some ways a lot, in other ways, not a lot. Okay, that's good to know. And then any final pieces of advice you want to give to people who are thinking about doing a startup or in the startup process, but not in your shoes yet? Yeah, I feel like where I'm at in, in this whole process is, I don't want to say the most positive because I do feel positive about it. I guess it's more of a harsh, realistic kind of point of this whole process. I guess just know what you're getting yourself into, right? I think be prepared. Be prepared to not take home a paycheck for a while and kind of button down your personal finances so that you can live within whatever your spouse's means are or whatever that looks like so that you're not stressing about money because that's that's not a good place to be. But I mean, I think there's never going to be a right time to do it. I think if that's your your dream and your goal, then make it happen. Start doing it. I think there's, if you're in the right place financially, I think that is the big caveat. Make sure you're in the right place financially 
and then make it happen. Just do it. I think there's, there's never, you're never going to feel ready. I think doing something for the first time, you're, nobody knows how to do anything for the first time, but you'll figure it out along the way, just like all the rest of us have. Awesome. Megan, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before yeah, we say goodbye, you. can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Market Ridge Dental. You can find me on Facebook at Market Ridge Dental or MarketRidgeDental.com. That's all going to be in the show notes below. So guys, go check it out. And Megan, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, we'll thank you so soon. much. It was great talking to you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Megan, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, if anybody has any questions for her, definitely join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. Um, or if you want, you can go in the show notes below and then just click on her links and reach out to her there and pick her brain more. Uh, at the same time, guys, don't forget, check out CareStack. Remember the three reasons why you should be thinking or you should switch to a cloud-based platform like CareStack. Uh, pretty soon or today or whenever you can, as soon as possible. Number one is accessibility. I mean, you're able to access it from anywhere at any time. Number two, scalability. As your practice grows, you're going to need more tools and features. So instead of trying to pay for all that, boom, CareStack already gets you covered. And three, it's cost effective, right? Uh, you don't have to pay for IT staff or expensive hardware or software updates and things like that and hardware maintenance. You, you can just get CareStack and it's cost effective fantastic for you and it's cloud-based right then and there you can access it whenever and they offer flexible pricing plans to suit the needs of any practice really especially yours so don't miss out on the benefits click on the first link in the show notes below to get an exclusive deal or just to schedule a free personalized demo to see if it's something you want and if you do want it you get an exclusive deal just for being a listener of the podcast so and it's a fantastic way to support the podcast too if you just want to schedule a free personalized demo, it really does uh, help us out a lot. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We truly appreciate you. I truly appreciate you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.